Why is an Australian journalist languishing in solitary confinement in a UK prison for breaching bail, while the US government unrelentingly pursues his extradition on compromised evidence? Why are high-profile human rights defenders fighting for his release, while his own country is not? Julian Assange, the founder of WikiLeaks, has been detained for almost a decade. He is apparently guilty of many things, but mainly for exposing evidence of war crimes. It's unfortunate for Julian that his case, more than ever, shines a strong light on government corruption and law enforcement, frailty of our press freedoms and the utter failure and hypocrisy of mainstream media. Trevor Fitzgibbon is president of Silent Partner and an award-winning PR strategist. His work is primarily focused on defending human rights, whistleblowers and exposing corruption throughout his career. Trevor's clients have ranged from Google, uh, Amnesty International, uh, Edward Snowden, Julian Assange, Google Foundation and Pearl Jam. Trevor, thanks for joining us once again. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for your work. Look, can you briefly outline what Julian is accused of by the US and how he came to be detained in a UK prison? Um, yeah, I can. Uh, I could do my best. Um, um, you know, the, the U.S. charged Assange with, you know, one count of kind of conspiring to violate the Espionage Act, um, three counts of violating a provision of the Espionage Act that targets individuals who obtain information they're not authorized to receive. Um, and then there are also four counts of, I believe, violating a provision of the Espionage Act in which prosecutors allege that Assange, quote, solicited information, which is ludicrous. Um, the prosecutors for the government are asserting that Julian, you know, aided and abetted, uh, you know, counseled, induced, etc. cetera, uh, Manning, Chelsea Manning, um, who uh, yeah, I used to represent. And that Manning had had uh, a lawful possession of and access to and control over documents relating to the national defense, I think is, is the quote, what they say, to communicate, deliver, and, quote, transmit the documents to WikiLeaks. And so he faces, um, at this point, nine charges under two provisions of the Espionage Act for, uh, for this conduct. And um, the Justice Department focused on a list published to the WikiLeaks website in 2009 that was titled Most Wanted Leaks, end quote. Um, and, you know, what, what they claim is that Assange personally and publicly promoted WikiLeaks to encourage those with access to protected information, including classified information, to provide it to WikiLeaks for public disclosure. That's what the indictment argues. Um, and that also the WikiLeaks website explicitly solicited, censored, otherwise restricted until September 2010, quote, classified material. They're essentially, you know, that's what journalists do. You know, journalists, you know, try to, to obtain uh, important public interest information and then to get it out to the public. That's what mm. journalists from the New York Times uh, to the Washington Post have done for years. And so they essentially are attempting to criminalize it. Uh, Obama didn't try to go down this path because of what was dubbed the New York Times problem, because Obama kind of, you know, the, uh, Eric Holder in the Department of Justice kind of determined that if they were going to go after Assange and WikiLeaks for publishing this material, they would have to also go after the New York Times. And, um, but, you know, then Trump came in, uh, decided to have the Pompeo Doctrine, which was to systematically destroy WikiLeaks and everything around WikiLeaks. It's key activists, it's key staff, um, support network was to destroy it. And um, that's what Trump wanted to do. And, uh, and now Biden, as it turns out, uh, has come to power and is carrying on 
the torch that Trump once held. So it's it's incredibly disappointing. Incredibly. You know, I voted for Biden. Uh, it's just it is tragic. But that is where we are right now. So who are the uh, puppet masters? Um, I mean, you know, for Trump and for Biden, I mean, there's, there's someone standing above them, moving their fingers very nicely and uh, dancing to that puppet, ma- puppet master's tune. Who do you think the puppet master is or are? Um, you know, I, I think we are in, um, well, the, the easy answer is, uh, is if, you know, if, 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 if Biden wanted to call this off, he could do it. You know, that's the bottom line. Um, if Trump had wanted to pardon Julian uh, and pardon Snowden, he could have done it. Now, um, you know, in the case of, of Trump, it was interesting. Um, and from what I understand, he, he did want to pardon Assange, but essentially on the eve of uh, the Senate, uh, the Senate hearing on impeachment, um, he essentially was told uh, by Republicans that if he pardoned Assange, he likely would not get the votes that he needed on impeachment. And, um, you know, at that at that point, when you have um, powerful leaders within the intelligence community, as well as politicians who literally uh, – it is it is a bipartisan, um, almost a, 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 a shield, an unspoken rule that politicians from uh, Senator McConnell to White House attorneys um, to Democrats, they are going to do whatever they need to do to protect uh not one party, right? But to protect the institution and those within the U.S. Senate and within Congress. And that was, to me, what was one of the most shocking things to see was that um, bipartisanship, people seem to come together when it comes to just wanting to protect the institution. Um, and I think that's why they determined and, and why Trump determined that if he was going to ever get out of impeachment that he in the 11th hour wasn't able to do it. Um, but that also says a lot about him, mm-hmm. you know, um, somebody who wanted to quote drain the swamp, somebody who wanted to fight corruption uh, very well could have um, and really didn't. And it is a massive uh, disappointment to a lot of people who I think kind of bought in to uh, Trump's rhetoric, um, which wasn't hard to do considering you had on the other side, his opponent and Hillary Clinton, who, you know, wanted to drone Assange. So it's, it's, it's just an uphill battle all the way around. Um, and now, uh, you know, I'll just say, lastly, you have uh, intelligence firms, cyber firms, that are contracted out by the U.S. intelligence community, um, by the State Department, um, cyber firms, uh, you know, like Redacted, um, others, you know, many of them right around D.C. or many of them headquartered right around the NSA, some of them on the West Coast, etc. And they hire uh, a lot and a number of, of individuals and they, they kind of, um, they, they march to the beat of their own drum and, uh, essentially it's a free for all and, and, and everything's on the table. And, um, you know, you have the U S, uh, the U S contracts out these companies and these firms, but so do other governments. And so do wealthy individuals and so do political parties. So when you go online today and you go on Twitter, um, you know, half of the so-called anons 
uh, are, are a good percentage of them are likely working for an intelligence agency or a contractor. And, uh, you know, one of the things they've really worked and attempted to do is to infiltrate WikiLeaks, cozy up to them, cozy up to their leadership, and then, you know, systematically take them down and destroy them. And so um, it's, a, it's a very vulnerable position for the organization to be in right now with so much emphasis being placed rightfully on wanting to support and protect Julian. Um, but I know, you know, I imagine, you know, knowing Julian and, and working with him for a few years, uh, he wouldn't want people to be demoralized. He would want people to be out there fighting and exposing the corruption and exposing those that are acting almost as agents for the, um, for the, 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 national security complex in the five eyes. And so um, that's why we have to keep fighting. What's the status of the uh, U.S. appeal? And uh, what about timelines? Well, you know, uh, just on the 7th of July, um, the U.K. uh, barrister um, determined that they were going to um, allow for the United, you know, the the United States lost on its first attempt to to extradite Assange. And so now uh, the U.S. has come back under the Biden administration and um, continued to, uh, in its efforts to extradite Assange. So they've appealed it and the U.K. has now allowed for a, um, a, a modest, uh, a modest um, attempt to appeal. Um, and then, you know, the U.S. has come out with, you know, claims that if, if they were to win the extradition, he could serve out a, you know, a term in, in Australia if he wanted and, you know, all that stuff you could do normally. Um, but, you know, there's a big effort right now to, uh, in the United States and around the world, uh, where you had government leaders, an international uh, coalition of a very large coalition of uh, political leaders from all over the world, sending a letter to President Biden demanding uh, and really urging the Biden administration to to drop its attempt to uh, extradite Assange. You also had a number of doctors who just came out um, as well. Uh, now you have Amnesty International uh, really urging uh, the upper court in the UK um, to to just do away with what they believe is a farce um, uh, prosecution of Assange, especially considering he essentially, I mean, he's dying. You know, he is in horrible, a horrible way right now. And he essentially has been held in solitary confinement. It's only until the last month that he's been able to see his attorneys and his family in, in a, um, in a normal capacity. Even now it's not normal. And, you know, you just have to ask yourself, uh, you know, how, how Julian's been in solitary confinement for two years and he's had little to no access to his lawyers or even family visits until just last month. And so, um, you know, how's he holding up? I, I don't believe he's holding I mean, not well. I mean, how how would you be if you'd be in kind of a legal limbo now for 10 years and you're essentially being held as a political prisoner um, in a supermax prison being tortured, according to Nils Melzer of the United Nations. So, mm. you know, he's struggling. Struggling government. Pretty weak, isn't it? I mean, actually, that's really a, a, very, a very lame thing to say. The Australian government should, you know, just absolutely disgusting. That's probably more what I should be saying, and I could say more, but I won't. I mean, how can you let... I mean, okay, we've seen the last six months, Australia does not want to help its citizens out of the country, you know, who want to come back because of a perceived danger to their health. But we see with Julian, I mean, they've just turned... They have... It has just turned its back. We hear every now and then a politician coming out saying, oh, we've got to save Julian. But it's pretty weak, to say the least, because, you know, words are cheap. 
Yeah, they, they, they really are cheap. And, um, you know, but, but it's, it's, it's a difficult, uh, life that we're living in right now. It's a, it's a, it's a different world. I mean, everything has changed. Um, there was a time when WikiLeaks was kind of the, the darling of the left, of the liberals in the United States and the Democrats. And, um, you know, now it's, it's almost as if the parties have flipped and, um, it's the liberals who are really cozying up with, uh, the security, the, 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 uh, security and the intelligence communities. Um, you know, it's, um, I like to say, you know, it, it, it's not Fox News that hired, uh, that hired, you know, all of the previous, uh, heads of, of the CIA and FBI and, and, and folks like that. It's MSNBC and, you know, it's a, people like Rachel Maddow considered a liberal bastion here in the United States. And she is a television hostess and, you know, she's having these folks on and they're the, the, the loudest when it came to the bogus Russian hacking, uh, narrative and talking points. And, um, you know, Greenwald, Glenn Greenwald really nails it when he, when he talks about almost how, you know, people who are principled, they didn't change. It's that the, the, the parties changed. And, um, and I think it was all for political expediency. And it just is, it's clear. It, it kind of shows that, um, for many of them, you know, it was, it was never based on principles, right? Of a free press or privacy or, um, free speech. It was never based on those principles. It was always based on who's in office and, uh, who, who are they targeting, you know? And, um, and that's where we are right now in the United States. And I think in Australia as well and all over the world, it's, uh, it's pretty sad. I think it's actually um, a little more than sad. I, uh, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty easygoing sort of guy. And I have a lot of friends who are the same. But most of my friends won't talk to me now because uh, it'll be right. It's going to be okay. Yeah, believe government, believe that. Government... You know, they basically talk shit, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, they do. Mm. And um, you simultaneously have so many information operations happening in the United States. And, um, you know, many of these operations were perfected and, and developed in, on the battlefield in the communities of Iraq and uh, war zones in Afghanistan where, you know, you had major PR firms like uh, Del Pottinger, you know, who you may recall and, and was uh, the focus of a phenomenal documentary, um, you know, hired for $500 million by the U.S. Department of Defense and the U.S. government to run an information operation in Iraq, you know, to convince the Iraqi people to want democracy during the Iraq war. And, um, you know, these are information operations that just aren't, you know, out there to like quote social engineer, which is a big popular term you hear online quite a bit, but these are information operations that are designed to get a, a, a nation state, a population to believe a certain way. And to not just believe it, but to act it out, mm. to act on it, mm. to take action. Um, and so I think for, you know, a, a, a lot of us, we uh, have lost very close best friends over these types of information operations because they're so powerful. Um, and they're the kind of operations where you may be carrying it out, but you may not even realize you are. Um but at the end of the day, there's a master plan behind these operations, and it's to get action and, and get a, a population to feel a certain way. And uh, and we, we're seeing that all over the world right now. Look, there's been some dramatic developments with uh, Siggy Thordeson admitting to fabricating accusations against him. Uh, can you tell us about his admission and his 
in its uh, maybe significance and uh, whether it's going to be a, a game changer. I mean, normally at a court of law it would be, but what about this? Well, yeah, I mean, um, I mean, look, if the Biden administration does what it supposedly stands for, it should drop the charges at this point. I mean, the U.S. case against Julian is weak and crumbling. Julian's defense is going to continue to use all legal means available to avoid his extradition to the U.S., where he has no possibility of a fair or open trial in Virginia. Um, and the idea that the U.S. government's case, that the vast majority of the evidence that they use in the case um, was uh, was given by a fraud and somebody who just in uh, the, I forgot the Icelandic publication, um, but just admitted to lying about all of it. Um, that raises a lot of, uh, you know, ethical concerns if the U.S. Department of Justice is going to stand by their case when it's based on somebody who's admitted to lying in everything they told told them. And, uh, you know, it, it, if that's the case and the Department of Justice continues with that prosecution, I feel like America's lost its soul. It's sort of almost looking like it now, isn't it? I mean, not but not just America. I mean, the entire Western and and uh, European. I mean, I mean, you look at you know, at the French. I mean, what's Macron thinking? Are you looking at Australia? I mean, what are they what are they thinking? But here's the thing: the mainstream media, as with Julian, is not reporting much at all, if anything. Why do you think that is? Well. It, it all goes back to the information operation, you know. Um, you know, when you look at um, the Hunter Biden laptop story, it was a legitimate news story. It was legitimate. And, um, you know, I had journalists, uh, I'm not going to name names, but one of the journalists who actually was working with the U.S. intelligence community um, on promoting the Russian hacking narrative um, told me to my face that they wouldn't touch the Hunter Biden story because they didn't want to do anything that could potentially help Trump. And so when you have uh, mainstream media outlets and what you would consider the gatekeepers of the news cycle of the U.S., literally caving and selling out their profession and their principles and their journalism ethics um, in a partisan way. Uh, you know, th this country and that profession has a, has a lot of work to do, I think, to gain back the trust of the American people. And I'm not just talking on the left, I'm talking both sides, on the right and the left. Mm. Um, but, you know, for me, you only have a few journalists today that are out there really speaking the truth and that aren't compromised. You've got Glenn Greenwald, Matt Taibbi, uh, I think Tucker Carlson has yep. done some extraordinary work, mm. especially on COVID, but Julian as well. Mm. Um, but there are very few journalists out there that are that are willing to to stick by their principles, even if it doesn't uh, agree with their own uh, political ideology. But even looking at right across the spectrum from you know, the media, of course, then we have the medical profession, we have government, we have the bureaucrats. If they just did a little more uh, or did what they're supposed to do and tell the truth. You know, journalist becomes a journalist. Trish Wood said, massive, massive fail of journalism. You look at um, uh, the medical profession. You know, all this crap going on at the moment with uh, COVID and with Delta and stuff, it's, it's probably this misinformation operation you talked about. You look at- It is, and it, I mean, it is, you know, just one thing on COVID. I mean, I almost died from COVID. You know, I was in the ICU for eight nights mm, mm. at Duke University and uh, at Duke Hospital. And I was, uh, 
I went to Duke. I was chasing my last breath. Mm-hmm. I was uh, driving from Washington back to North Carolina, and I uh, became delirious and made it into the emergency room. And they kept me there for an hour or so. I was diagnosed with severe pneumonia and severe COVID and then turned away and sent home with, uh, with no treatment whatsoever. And, um, I wrote about it. I wrote a piece in Real Clear Politics, uh, that talked about how outrageous it was that, uh, I, I then was a friend of mine called the head internist at Duke and, and asked what the hell is going on. This guy's about to die. And so they took me back in and I spent eight nights in the ICU. Um, but I went back there and they immediately gave me, um, early treatment, the protocol. Mm. And I was better after eight nights took time, but I got better. Mm. And when I look today and, uh, and I see how many thousands of people have died, Mm because they didn't know about and weren't given and weren't offered early treatment. And the media's role in never promoting early treatment um, because of this information operation, you know, had they promoted early treatment, uh, the big pharma wouldn't have been able to get the emergency authorization fast track for the vaccines. And so when I look at the hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of people who probably died for a lack of any type of treatment of early treatment in my mind, it is, uh, it's incomprehensible that we could allow anybody to die, uh, knowing that you had early treatment, ivermectin, monoclonal antibodies, Mm. uh, sitting right there on the shelves of hospitals untapped, not being used. It is extraordinary. And to me, it's a human rights issue. Mm. It is a human rights issue. You've been involved in human rights issues. I mean, have you ever seen such, such, I mean, I I, I think evil. Evil is the only word I could think of. I mean, and the, the players, the bad actors, the media, I mean, except for you mentioned Tucker and Glenn and you all, you get the truth out as well. Mm. Kevin Gastello is phenomenal, right? Mm. Um, you've got Consortium, which is phenomenal. Mm. Joe Loria and, and, uh, and his group, uh, they do incredible work. Uh, but for the most part, uh, you know, the, the problem is you get stories there and that's great. You get stories with Tucker. That's great. That mm. helps you kind of break through that information up a bit. But then it's just kind of a partisan thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you're not going to get CNN reporting not, on this. No. You're not going to get, you know, World News Tonight with ABC or NBC Nightly News reporting on this. And so those of us who do PR have a big, big job to do mm-hmm. and a massive battle. And um, it's it's kind of a def- just like it's a defining moment um, and challenge sort of the medical profession and you have heroes like Dr. Peter McCullough and, um, and Corey and, and Urso and, mm-hmm. um, Dr. Lee, uh, Vliet, um, who has a great, uh, campaign that's going to be coming called stop the shot. Um, you've got some phenomenal doctors and, and I just remember when, when McCullough said, he said, you know, when his father got COVID very early, uh, he had like an 80% mortality and, uh, he treat, he, he, he treated his father with, he threw the whole kitchen sink with a, a you know, with, with proto- a protocol that, um, took him 60 days, but his father survived. And, uh, you know, Peter challenges the, you know, doctors around the world. He said, you know, if, if, if I had one message to them, it is to have some courage and rely on your clinical uh, judgment mm. to do the right thing. Because if we can't save somebody's life because we're too scared of losing our license, then we shouldn't be doctors. Mm. We shouldn't be in this profession. And I feel that's the same way with uh, journalists as mm. well. Mm. And in uh, and, 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 and my job and others who do media relations and PR – to try to break through this information operation uh, and blow it up. 
And just, I mean, if we live in this, uh, in this fairy tale world, uh, if mainstream media started to support Julian, you would probably think things would change. But um, I mean, just, just from what's happening now, I don't see mainstream media. I think they're an absolute abortion of a, of a profession at the moment. And I don't see them doing anything. I don't see. Yeah, I mean, the biggest case of media freedom in our lifetime, mm. you know, was was has has kind of been held in virtual secrecy in the press, although they seem to understand um, an understanding of the president. They've got a massive case of cognitive dissonance, understanding that they're going to be next, mm. and they just don't get it yet. Um. So it's it's. Uh, you know, the, the case is being held in secret. There's a blackout in the U.S. of anything, Julian. Mm. I really applaud uh, his father and mm. his, his brother and their tour, uh, the home run for Julian. Just anything, to, you know. <clears throat> one, my mentor, one of my mentors, um, Brock Evans, was the head of the Audubon Society and helped get the Endangered Species Act passed. And he said that... Um, this is death by a thousand cuts. You just have to try everything. And, uh, and right now, um, that's, that's what I would challenge everybody who supports Julian to do. Mm. You just got to try. And, uh, and I see all the protests and the rallies, uh, around the world in support of Julian. And, uh, he, he I mean, he appreciates it so much, you know, because when you're in held in solitary confinement, you, you kind of start to lose your mind. And that's probably part of the plan for him just to uh, lose his mind. Well, of course it is. Yeah, yeah time is everything. And, uh, and the media, the, the media is so bought in on this information op. Mm. They don't even recognize that they're about to lose their first amendment protections. But do they Everyone care? But do, they, but do they care? I mean, really? So I, I think they do. Right. Really? Um, they, they do when it's in their interest, mm. but, but there are just so many sycophants out today, mm. Mm. you know, um, you know, <laughs> uh, people, people will, uh, do the right thing when it's politically expedient, but when it's not, they quite often sell out their principles. And that's kind of the society we're in right now. I don't think there's many professions that haven't really, especially those that, that really count. I mean, everyone counts, but I mean, medical, political, uh, yeah. media. I mean, they've, they've all got the same narrative. They don't give a, 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 they don't care about the truth. They don't care about their constituents. They don't care about your health. It's just, right. it's, but, but how do we get to, I mean, I, I, you've been in this a lot longer than I have. I mean, I'm just going, wow, this is like nutso. But you, you've been in it so long. How do we get to here? I think that, um, I mean, I, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's take forever to talk, mm. talk that through. I think that right now, um, a lot of the media, and I apologize, I have allergies, but I think, you know, a lot of the media is truly aided and abetted um, by the U.S. intelligence community that just puts out so much propaganda with an anti-Assange message or, you know, I mean, for God's sakes, you have, uh, I mean, you had our president of the United States, President Biden, uh, on camera talking about uh, Coors beer uh, you get like a free six pack if you get you, if you show your vaccine that you had, had recently been vaccinated, right? You have, uh, you have de Blasio, you know, what about, you know, de Blasio in New York, you get some fries. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. It's, it's just, it is insane. Mm. But the U S propaganda apparatus has stopped being able to promote an anti-Assange agenda to a certain degree because of the piles of evidence of malpractice and abuses towards Julian's right to defend himself. And the more we can get that message out and, and be able to, you know, hold up a mirror to the general public 
in regards to what our government is doing. Mm. Um, eventually, I think it's going to break. I just hope it's not too late. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we should be getting uh, more and more uh, VIPs, celebrities in support of Assange. You know, mm. I mean, I look at Ayer Chudese and uh, incredible artists and musicians who – we're right there with Julian at one point mm. and, um, you know, Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. Um, these people need to speak out because, uh, this guy is literally paying the price so that the public has a right to view, uh, original documents mm. that are in their interest to decide for themselves how they feel about it. And uh, and they're trying to kill him for it. And it's not just Julian, though, being in jail right. for all the BS that we've just talked about. It's also about how we're going to go forward, because at the moment we have almost a mirror of what's happening to Julian happening to society. And it's you know, what's happening now to Julian, we're catching up pretty quickly. And if you look at France, look at Australia, look at New Zealand, look at other parts of the world, we're now becoming, uh, as they say in these circles, we're becoming like sheeple, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you look at what happened in Italy mm. during World War II. Mm. You look at, um, you know, if, if, if you could take out the, the right-wing uh, were the words right wing and conservative from the definition of fascism, mm. it would be applicable to society today mm. because um, I truly believe we're in an age of fascism, no matter which party is mm. in power. Mm. And um, it, 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 it is, it, it, it's almost a, there needs to be a new word, you know, applied to it. Somebody needs to come up with one because uh, what's happening in the United States right now is a liberal fascism, is a democratic fascism. And we don't have honest brokers in leadership. And we don't have, uh, we don't have nonpartisan brokers in leadership. Um, I like to, I like to, you know, tell folks, you know, I, I mean, I, I remember during the run-up to the war in Iraq when I was working primarily with very progressive organizations. We fought for eight years against the Bush administration on uh, bogus intelligence and weapons of mass destruction and, and you know, worked with the Lancet on the mortality study, the immortality study in Iraq in regards to the number of civilians killed. Um, and I worked with a group of individuals that that, you know, we were brothers and sisters. Uh, and then you fast forward to Obama and you see how the Obama administration had taken some of the worst policies under the Bush administration from targeted killings to drone strikes to, um, to, to assassinations to surveillance. Thanks to Mr. Snowden blowing the lid off of that. Mm. But under Obama, you know, it skyrocketed and um, that group of people that I had worked with for eight years to hold the Bush administration accountable or to attempt to, and to inflict some political pain. Um, they were nowhere to be seen. And not only were they nowhere to be seen, but they were hostile to that work mm. that we were doing. Mm. And you take Chelsea Manning as an example. When I would visit with Chelsea at Quantico every weekend or, you know, was at um, Leavenworth, Fort Leavenworth, the, the night before my twins were born, uh, you know, do you think the, the LGBT community, the Human Rights Campaign and these organizations were supporting Chelsea as – you know, she had tried to commit suicide at, in a male, all male prison at Fort Leavenworth. And she was 
going through treatment. Uh, no, they didn't give a shit. Mm. And, uh, and it was, it was just tragic. It's, 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 um, you know, it's, it's again, people will have principles when it's political, ex- politically expedient, but when it's not, they'll sell those principles out. No problem. Pretty spineless, isn't it? It's tragic. Mm. But as the, uh, the the whole of society, I mean, I truly, um, we have countries turning their backs on their citizens. And for example, Julian, but Julian's not alone here. We have, and it, you know, whereas I see Julian as being a benchmark of what might happen is actually happening now to all of us. And the, but this time the, the, the information um, operation is even more effective because, you know, we don't give a rats about our own citizens. You know, all we want is, you know, what did Stalin do? He said he, he, he plucked his chicken, tortured it, and then fed it. And he said, see what you can do. You, if you, providing you feed and house the people, you can do whatever you like to them. Happening now, isn't it? Yeah, and I think there's a couple of reasons why. I mean, when you talk about how powerful it is, you know, take Obama, the Obama administration, um, you know, what took out, killed uh, American citizens in Yemen. You know, um, Al-Awlaki, you know, who once was raised up as, you know, at one point he and his family lived uh, in Northern Virginia and he was an imam and um, President Bush back then held him up as an example of, of you know, uh, Islamic, uh, an imam who was really trying to do the right thing, calling for moderation. But then, you know, the Iraq, the Iraq, uh, the Iraq war radicalized him and he moved his family to Yemen and uh, they were American citizens and he became part of Al Qaeda and, you know, was spouting out some horrific stuff, but we killed him. We targeted him. We assassinated him in a drone strike. And then we assassinated his young son who was looking for him, who I believe was 11 or 12 years old. And then we assassinated his young daughter. And they were American citizens. They didn't have warrants. There weren't FISA warrants for them. There was nothing. We just took upon ourselves to just take out the American citizens. And, you know, Senator Ron Wyden, you know, said it best. The American people have a right to know what, whether or not the president can kill an American citizen or not and, and needs to know. What is the justification of that? In regards to stuff like COVID, in regards to stuff like Julian and WikiLeaks and, and just – all of this stuff in general, I think that one of the reasons why COVID and, and their ability to force these vaccinations on a population are it, the reason why it's so effective is because, you know, I, I think, um, I was talking to Dr. Corey about this and I think that, um, you know, for the, you have Democrats in control right now of, of Congress and also of the White House and the administration. You have, um, you know, Trump, who I think just pissed off so much of the media, right? He just upended everybody because they were used to a status quo of having normal White House press briefings, etc. They never had a president who's like tweeting stuff out left mm-hmm. and right. They didn't know how to deal with it and they became angry, right? And, and he was doing some just horrendous stuff. Um, but I think that so, so they all turned against him. And, um, but I think for the most part, Democrats, uh, throughout the history of the United States have always trusted in government and they've looked to government uh, to help address uh, equal rights for women, civil rights for minorities. Um, and so there's this faith in government that government's going to do the right thing. And there's a belief and there's a hope that they always will. But I believe the government has just become corrupted and now, uh, and it facilitates, I think the information operation touches every element of government uh, from the Department of Justice to the State Department to Congress, etc. Everyone is a part of it to drive down, drive through an agenda and, and, and a narrative and nobody even knows that they are a part of it. But there's, but they truly are. 
And, um, and so that's kind of where they're at. Mm. And I don't mean to sound so negative, but, um, we've got to fight, man. We got to fight for Julian. We got to fight for WikiLeaks. We got to fight for, um, people who can be checks on government because what they're trying to do, I mean, don't, don't throw, don't put, you know, don't sweep under the rug the idea that COVID came about right after they took Julian. Soon thereafter. And I think that one of the reasons why they took him from the embassy, his internet was cut off, is because the, inf- the, the only thing that was a real threat to this information operation, Russian hacking, etc., was WikiLeaks and was Assange. And they essentially needed to gag him so that the information operation could come into full effect. And I think that's where we are today. And that's why they want to silence him. And that's why they continue an appeal to extradite him because they don't want that guy talking and they don't want WikiLeaks being successful and having an ability to get the truth out to the American people and to the people around the world. One step further, though, if just say, for example, the information is released, I mean, at the moment, no one's going to see it and the information um, operation will discredit that anyway. So, I mean, I look at Del Bigtree with E-Stuff from uh, Fauci and... Um, He's one of my clients as well. Yeah, you've got a lot, lot of nice clients, but actually a lot of very brave clients too. But nothing happened. I mean, it's, the, it's just gone, gone dead. I mean, you had the stuff with Hunter Biden. I mean, the, the, the only thing the, uh, the media, forget mainstream, the only thing the media is covering is his, uh, is his uh, prowess as a three-year-old artist. It's just dreadful. Look, in this country, I'm already noticing a shift. I, you know, and I'm I'm working with some amazing artists and musicians right now that have launched Artists United Mm. against COVID, and they're taking a stand as well. These are Emmy-winning artists and musicians that that are very big. And, um, you know, there's starting to become a sea change. There are protests that are growing in New York City Mm. and around the country Mm. about – COVID and about the vaccination, the media, um, you know, of course they all created their own consortium to promote the propaganda from the U S government. Many of the mainstream media did, but it's starting to chip away and you can't, you can try, but when you have Newsweek starting to report on children dying because of a vaccine, um, as that becomes more real, and is exposed and shown and the truth gets out, I believe you're going to start to see, um, you're going to start to see a reaction. And I think the the public is going to start to tune in. Look at what's happening in France right now. Mm. Um, they're starting to understand. In Australia, for example, um, and I, I haven't seen much on US media either, it's not being reported. So yeah. if you could have, you could have the biggest demonstrations out out there but the majority of the uh, population won't well, see look, that and don't believe anything's happening they believe the narrative from the I, government it is tough but we can't give up mm. you know you have an incredibly important job you know glenn does tucker like we have to keep chipping mm. away mm. and uh it's tough when you've got you know everybody from the media to big tech bought in on this and deplatforming people they don't like and, and people who aren't with the, the narrative that they want to push. It's difficult, but eventually I think we're going to get there. And I think that, look, I think in, in 20 years, I think that a lot of people today, my age, in their 40s, 50s, they're going to look back at this time and there's going to be a lot of shame. Mm. And it's gonna, it's gonna be looked back as as a stain on the concept of democracy. Mm. You know, just like you can't force democracy at the end of a gun. You know, you you can't say you live in a democracy when in reality, 
it's a fascism. Mm. So what's likely to happen to, uh, to Julian if the U.S. does win its appeal? I think that he will essentially be disappeared. Mm. And he obviously won't get a fair trial. I mean, the Espionage Act guarantees that. You can't even put on a public defense. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think he'll be disappeared. It, in my opinion, uh, they, they're, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, uh, I, I support WikiLeaks. I don't work for WikiLeaks. You know, I, I, I once helped do their PR, but so I, I don't know the inner, the very inner thinking in regards to the strategy, mm-hmm. but, uh, in my mind, a lot of pressure could be, could be applied to the UK that if they, uh, if they grant the U S what would it mean? You know, if they grant the U S the ability to extradite him, whether he goes to a song, the Australian, a supermax or to the United States, they do not want him talking mm. and they want him to, to he want, they want him to go away. If somebody wants to find out more about, how do they get defend this launch? The the number one thing that people should do. Um, so the website is um, defend.wikileaks.org. That's where you go to get quick, easy things, steps that the ordinary, like average public can take to help in this, mm-hmm. um, and to get all the latest information regarding the case. Hmm. Um, defend.wikileaks.org Trevor Fitzgibbon uh, stunning conversation I've enjoyed it but it's been illuminating Uh, appreciate your time thank you very much thank you so much for having me